Today I want to ask you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 2. Next Sunday we're going to resume our study of the book of Romans. We'll be in Romans 7 verses 1 through 6 next Sunday. Uh, But today as we kind of bridge between the recent sermon series on community until we get back to the book of Romans, let's consider I think a very important word for us all today from the book of Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. I'm going to read all 22 verses. This is God's word. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech, who forsake the paths of uprightness, to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, From the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God, for her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep the paths of the righteous, for the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it, but the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. Let's pray together. Lord God, as we open your word this morning, we indeed ask for your help. We ask for clarity. We ask for understanding. We ask for the very wisdom that's referred to in these verses. We ask for knowledge and understanding, discernment. Lord, would you come and grant us that today and help us see the need of it? Father, indeed, would you Show us Christ, the embodiment of wisdom. Lord, we ask for your help now. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. We are bombarded by many voices and messages today. And these voices come from many sources. It could be a parent, a teacher, a coach, a coworker, a friend. A tweet, you name it. The messages we hear are many and they vary. Some messages are good, while other messages are evil. But all of them, make no mistake, all of them instruct us. All of them seek to influence and make certain promises to us. And so what voices then should we listen to? What message can we trust and what message is harmful? Brothers and sisters, this is an extremely important thing to settle because 
It's the difference between the good life and the foolish life. It's depending on which voice you listen to and obey is a matter of life and death. Here in this passage we find this morning, we see the call to be attentive to wisdom. We see the the instruction here for us, a, a call that, that we see these words of wisdom and knowledge and understanding. It's a call from a father, Solomon, to his son to seek out wisdom and knowledge and understanding. A word that I'll use this morning to kind of summarize what he's getting at here is, is discernment. It's a call from Solomon to his son to be discerning. Discernment is a close relative to wisdom. In fact, it's kind of a subset of wisdom. Wisdom is often defined as the application of knowledge. It's a practice. It's a practical outworking of of the things you've come to know. Seeking to apply it in a good way. Wisdom allows us to be discerning. Discernment is the skillful application of wisdom in real-life situations. I think a great definition of this is in a book found, out, found in, uh, by Tim Challies. It's called The Discipline of Spiritual Discernment. And Challies there de- defines spiritual discernment as this. Discernment is the skill of understanding and applying God's word with the purpose of separating truth from error and right from wrong. It's the ability to think biblically about all of life. It's the, it's the task of attempting to see as God sees. So the call of this proverb this morning is simply this. All of us desperately need discernment so that we can live a life of faithfulness. As we consider that call today from Proverbs 2, there are two key points about discernment, about this wisdom that we see here. We're going to look at the pursuit of discernment and the benefits of discernment. The pursuit of discernment and the benefits of discernment. We're going to see it. It's going to be nicely arranged for us in this if-then statement for all those uh, engineer minds out there. This ought to be right up your alley today. If-then. So let's consider, first of all, the pursuit of discernment. We see that found in verses 1 through 4. Solomon, the wisest man we're told that ever lived, not as Jesus, except for him, is speaking here to his son, urging him, exhorting him towards wisdom. And as Solomon lays out the call to wisdom and discernment, he, he sets up this need with a clear if-then statement. You see it in verses 1 through 4, the word if stated three times. Verse 1, if you receive my words. Verse 3, if you call out for insight. Verse 4, if you seek it like silver. And then you're going to see in verses 5 through 9, there are two thens. Verse 5, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord. Verse 9, then you'll understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. So point one is the ifs, and point two is the thens, to to simplify it. So we think about the pursuit of discernment. The if represents, if we could put it this way, the if represents a decision that must be made. It's not automatic. 
Solomon is telling his son that he can go the way of wisdom and find God, or he can turn his back on wisdom and find isolation and destruction, even death. And his point here is simple. As he sets this this proverb up, my son, if you receive my words, if you seek it like silver, if you call out for insight. He's calling him to a decision. He's calling him to a pursuit. Friends, the point made to us quite clearly here in this chapter is that you cannot simply be a passive bystander when it comes to the pursuit of wisdom and gaining discernment. If you think that discernment is going to just fall out of the sky and land upon you automatically, then you're missing the whole point of Proverbs chapter 2. It is, is a calling. We're called to pursue it. We're called to go after it. It's not automatic. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you have discernment. In fact, I've seen many Christians, myself included, lack a lot of discernment. You have to actively seek it out. And Solomon helps us see how that's done. I want you to notice three, three observations here under the pursuit of uh, discernment. First of all, we, we see that discernment is taught. Look at the first if, verse 1. If you receive my words and treasure up my commandments, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Solomon here is instructing his son to receive his commands. To receive his commands. To to receive commands assumes that there's instruction, doesn't it? It assumes that there's some kind of teaching going on. It assumes there's, there's some level of, level of instruction taking place. Notice how this discernment is received. Make your ear attentive. Make your ear attentive. Incline your heart. So this instruction is received through hearing it so that it goes down to the very hearts of our lives. Discernment is gained as instruction comes in this way. One of the things that we would take away from this is simply this. If you're going to have discernment, you need to be teachable. You need to be teachable. You need to be willing to be instructed. You need to be in a teachable situation. You need to be in a, in, a, in a context where you're regularly receiving truth. You see it in, in all, all throughout the book of Proverbs. If we were to go to chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, this is what we see there. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland around your head, and pendants for your neck. If you turn to chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. Chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Hear, O son, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. And we could go on and on and on and on again through the book of Proverbs and see the importance of receiving instruction. Friend, one of the things that we all should consider this morning when it comes to the call the pursuit of discernment is we just all I think it would be wise for us all just to ask ourselves before the Lord today are we teachable 
am I teachable? Am I in a position and am I in a place where I am going to regularly be instructed in what is true? Someone who is not teachable will find it very difficult to be given discernment. Are we putting ourselves in a position to be regularly instructed by what is true? Romans 12 verse 9 is quite clear. It's straightforward instruction there in Paul's letter to the Romans. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Well, how do we know what is evil? How do we know what is good? Without instruction, without information, without commandments, without truth being proclaimed. And we know, as I said earlier, that there are many voices that bombard us every day. But friend, this is a reminder that there is one voice that we must fight to hear. Just think about the number of voices you hear on a given day. It could be thousands. You say, that's an extreme. There's no way I hear. It can be thousands. In our day of technology, in our world in which we exist today, you can hear thousands of voices on a given day. Thousands of messages. Discernment is taught. We just finished this series on biblical community. And I would just maybe borrow from that as we think about this call to be taught, to be teachable, to be instructed in what is true. I can't help but think again of the essential nature of the local church when it comes to the pursuit of discernment. Tim Challies in his book, The Spiritual discipline of discernment said, the local church is the Christian's most natural place to learn, model, and practice spiritual discernment. As the truth is proclaimed, as disciples are being made, as you are seeking to disciple and be discipled, as you are seeking to, to grow together as a congregation, what you are doing in, in reality is you are helping each other be discerning. I need that. I'm grateful to God that he has put other believers in my life to help me think clearly about certain things, to warn me when I need to be warned, to stir me up or spur me on when I need that, to encourage, to, to rebuke, to exhort, all of those things to help me discern what is good so that I can abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. Praise God for a family of believers that, that God has placed us in to help us be discerning. And as a community, we need to be teachable and we need to be instructed regularly. This just assumes that we are regularly looking to God's word. Not just when we come together on the Lord's day, but regularly throughout the week. Discernment is taught. A second Observation that we see regarding discernment as we pursue it is that discernment is to be desired. Look at verse 3. He says, yes, this is the second if, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. 
Notice there's this calling out for, this, this, this pursuit of, this raising your voice for. If you go back to verse 1, he says, If you receive my words and treasure up my commandments within you. There's the pursuit of discernment requires a treasuring up and a calling out for. You're not going to call out for something unless you first desire it. Unless you're first treasuring it up within you. Discernment is something that, that call, it, 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 the pursuit of discernment is something that must be yearned for. I want you to look at Proverb, the next chapter, Proverbs 3, verses 13 through 15. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver. And her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels. Look at this. And nothing you desire can compare with her. Now, we desire a lot of things, don't we? Good things. Certainly bad things. But there are a lot of things that, that, that we yearn for, that we desire, that, that we long for in life. I mean, we just go down the list, whether it's success or health or healthy relationships or a good life for our kids or good education, a good retirement, on and on and on. Things that aren't inherently bad in and of themselves. I mean, there are many things that we yearn for, that we long for, that we desire in life. Question, how many of you long for discernment? How many of us find ourselves regularly yearning for clarity, a discerning mind, an understanding heart? Is that a regular desire that you have? Proverbs 3.15 says, nothing, nothing you desire can compare with her. Wisdom. Where does the desire for wisdom and discernment rank among your desires? Is it something you long for? Discernment is taught, it's to be desired, and number three, it's to be sought. Obviously, verse four, third if, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures. If I told you there was $10 million buried right here on the property of KCA and that we had permission from KCA to go find it, my guess, just a guess, is that most of us would be out digging holes in the yard. $10 million, first come, first serve. Full permission to come find it. You think about, wow, $10 million, what could I do with $10 million? And I mean, we would be, there would be all kinds of activity out here. Friend, there's something greater to be sought than all the money this world can offer you. According to the Proverbs, it's wisdom, discernment. If you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures. If you go to Proverbs 16, verse 16, we see there how much better to get wisdom than gold. To get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. Solomon demonstrated his desire for wisdom 
when he was appointed king. If you go to 1 Kings chapter 3, we were told there at the end of chapter 2, the kingdom was established in the hand of Solomon. And then Solomon prays this prayer, the very writer of Proverbs, the very one that's writing this proverb. He prays this prayer, and when we see verse 7 in the middle of the prayer, And now, O Lord God, you have made your servant king in the place of David my father. Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people, whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Notice the request, verse 9. First Kings chapter 3, verse 9. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this, your great people? There's many things that Solomon could have asked for upon being appointed king, and he simply asked to have a discerning mind. Paul prayed for the Philippian church. The church at Philippi in Philippians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10, Paul prays this. He says, it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent so that you may approve what is true and good. If Paul prayed that prayer for the church at Philippi, if Solomon's praying that prayer for his own sake, then doesn't it instruct us this morning that it would be good for us to be filling our prayers with similar content, similar requests? It's my prayer. Your love may abound with all knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent. Friend, I just ask you today, how often are you asking the Lord for wisdom? How often are you asking the Lord for discernment? When's the last time you prayed for that? When's the, when the, how often are you interceding on behalf of others for the same? Parents, how often are you praying for your children to have discerning minds? Children, how often are you praying for your parents for the same? Husbands for wives, wives for husbands. Friends, how often, let me just speak on behalf of the elders of this church. How often are you praying for your elders to have discernment? We need it. for your friends, on and on we can go. Our prayers, we're told here is that discernment needs to be sought, it needs to be longed for, called out for, prayed for. Because listen, to lack spiritual discernment is a mark of spiritual immaturity at best, and perhaps spiritual death at worst. If you lack discernment, it says something about your soul and about your state and status before the Lord. You know, uh, when our kids were just babies, we've had a lot of those around here lately, by the way. When you try to feed a newborn, most of them, I was probably an exception, most of them will eat pretty much anything you stick in front of them, right? They'll at least try it. I mean, their mouths are just like, just mouths are always open, and whatever you shove in their mouths, they're going to at least try it. You know, 
they don't have the discernment yet to say no. Only later as they mature will they discern what is truly good for them. Oh, that's, that's a helpful picture of, of, of so many people sometimes. Even as, as growing, quote-unquote, Christians, we're, we're often like a bunch of babies walking around with our mouths wide open, just, just accepting whatever people put in our path. How foolish that would be of us. To lack discernment is a mark of spiritual immaturity at best or a mark of spiritual death at worst. Yet, it's strange, isn't it? We live in a day where spiritual immaturity is often sought and boasted about as a mark of authenticity. I'm just trying to be authentic, right? I'm trying to, to, to just be real. Look how, look how messed up I am. Look at, look at my sin. I'm just being authentic. And so we mark it up as authenticity and are never growing. Or, especially popular among millennials today, doubt. Doubt is often seen as a mark of humility. To doubt something. To always be questioning. To always seek to, to turn our back upon what is true. Brothers and sisters, I think we're just simply reminded here is to willingly neglect the truth and live our lives with our eyes closed to what is right and good is a foolish and destructive way to live. The truth be known is some of us, some of us may just be lazy. And we don't want to invest in the hard work that it requires to pursue godly discernment. And so we're willing to take whatever comes our way. Or if we're honest, we may even be afraid of the discomfort or changes it may require in our lives when we gain discernment and we're able to, to see what is good and what is evil. It may be that we're really afraid down deep that we're gonna, it's going to cause us to change the way we live, the things we do. Friend, we're called to pursue discernment. It's taught, so therefore we need to be instructed. It's to be desired. It's to be sought. But what about the benefits? So we, we get it, okay. Solomon makes that clear in the first four verses in setting this if-then kind of statement up. If you receive my words, if you call out for insight, if you seek it like silver, what, what's the promise? What, what do I get well, that's the second point, the benefits of discernment. And you see that really in the rest of the chapter, and we'll go through it quick. The benefits of discernment. Solomon is a masterful teacher here. And the reason he's a masterful teacher is he not only does he instruct his son as to what he must do, he tells him why it's good for him to do it. That's good parenting, right? It's good, good teacher teacher-student kind of thing. Not only are you telling them what they must do, but why they must do it. Notice as he continues the if-then sequence. If you treasure up, if you call out, if you seek for, then several things will result. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord. Then you will understand righteousness. And so there is both a theological and moral benefit to seeking godly discernment. 
The first one is, is what we could say a theological benefit. You will know God. One of the first benefits that you see there is verse 5. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord, he says. A right recognition of who God is. A right humility before the sovereign one over all creation. The one who has all wisdom, who is omniscient. When you begin to seek seek out this, this wisdom and discernment that God calls us to, then you will know God. You will know the fear of the Lord. You will recognize the reality of who he is. Brothers and sisters, true wisdom and discernment is not found in the heart of man. If you want discernment, listen to this. If you want discernment, the last place you need to be looking is in here. The heart is deceitful, Jeremiah tells us. That's what we hear. Just look inside yourself. That's nonsense. Don't. Don't you dare look inside yourself. You're a broken mess. Let me just encourage you. And so am I. So am I. Friend, God is the true source of wisdom. And he gladly gives it to those who ask him. Look at what he says. You'll understand the fear of the Lord. You'll find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. It's a gift. You must seek for it. You must ask for it. But but he gives it from his mouth. He is the source. Come knowledge and understanding. And he sustains it. He, He cultivates it in our lives. He's a shield to those who walk in integrity. God is the true source of wisdom and discernment, and he continually empowers it in our lives. And, and we know when we go on and, and read the rest of Scripture, you can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and see this quite clearly, that he does that even through the presence of his Holy Spirit. One of the ways that God extends his providential care over you and over me is by giving you wisdom and discernment. So the first benefit is the fact that we will know God. We will know who he is. We will know his character. We will begin to understand him for who he is, knowing that he is the true source of all wisdom. So anything that goes up against him, anything that goes up in competition to him is something that we need to discern. But a second benefit is that we will grow in righteousness. See that in verses 9 all the way down to to verse 19. The second then, verse 9, then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. Three particular points that Solomon makes here about this, this benefit. First of all, we could say it brings clarity. Look at, look at verse 9. You will understand righteousness and justice, equity, every good path. Wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. You'll be able to to see clearly. Discernment, gaining discernment is like putting on a new set of glasses or contacts for the first time. Things that were blurry to you now become clear 
and defines. Like, wow, I didn't realize that was a tree. I didn't realize I could read that far away. I take my glasses off, I can't even see my sermon outline. But now I can. That's what discernment is like. It helps you to see clearly. It helps us to, to know what is good and what is bad. Paul says to, to the church at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 5, 21 and 22, he says, test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Listen, you need discernment to do that. God-given, Holy Spirit-empowered discernments. There, there are, just a word of warning, there are these quote-unquote discernment ministries out there. I would just caution you. Many of them can be dangerous because they want to think for you. And they like anything, any, any, anything that they want to do, it seems, is to, to fight and argue and sow pride and just be careful with those ministries. Some do good, but many of them cause more confusion than not. I'm told here, it brings clarity. It helps us to see what is just. Every good path. You know what is right and wrong. You know what is good and evil. Discernment brings clarity. And number two, it brings pleasure. Now, this is what not one you would expect. Look at verse 10. It's right there. For wisdom will come into your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Wisdom, discernment, brings pleasure. And the more of it you have, the more enjoyable it is. Now, I think I have a pretty good sense of direction, just generally speaking, maps and how to get from point A to point B. And I think my wife would affirm that. I like to know where I'm going when I'm on a trip. And so if I'm traveling somewhere for the first time, I don't just type in the address and the GPS and hit the road. I don't do that. I take the time, I bring it up on my little map, and I look at the destination. And, and these days it's like, you want to go route one, route two, or route three, and you pick which way you want to go, and I will zoom in and see the destination of where the streets are and where the parking's going to be and all of that. I want that in my brain. I want that in my mind before I push go on the GPS. I don't like that unsettled, uncertain feeling of being in a new place, unsure of the next turn. It doesn't put me in a good mood. But when I give myself to study the map and alternate routes, there is a sense of sure-footedness and confidence that helps me not only enjoy the trip all the more, but enjoy the blessing of having that confidence. I think too many of us live life just waiting for our GPS to tell us when the next turn is with having no idea of where our destination truly is. It said turn right. Well, what are you going to do when it says construction? Had you zoomed in on the map and saw how you could get around it, you would, oh, I think I can go this way and get around it. Discernment. Wisdom. But you're too dependent upon somebody to tell you the next turn. Well, what if somebody tells you the wrong way? Gaining wisdom will indeed bring pleasure to your soul. It will boost your confidence, not in just in yourself, but in God who gives it. Number three, it brings protection. You see that in the final verses of this chapter. 
all the way from verse 11 to verse 19. You see how not only is it bring clarity, not only is it a sense of confidence and pleasure, but it will protect you. It will guard you against what is evil. Solomon says, discretion will watch over you and understanding will guard you. Verse 11, but from what? Well, he goes on. And he refers to two different kinds of people. He, in verses 12 through 15, refers to the men of perverted speech. And in verses 16 through 19, he refers to the forbidden woman. So there's these men and there's this woman that, that Solomon is saying to his son, if you have discernment, if you have wisdom, it's going to protect you from these enemies of your soul. These rival voices. First of all, the men of perverted speech. Again, these are men, rival voices that stand in opposition to Solomon and his instruction. Very much like Satan was to Adam and Eve in the garden. Experts in deception. Seeking to distort reality. That's what this idea of perverse speech means. Uh, to distort what is true, what is, re, what, is re, what is reality. It calls sin good and rejoices in evil. And brothers and sisters, listen, these men are speaking to you every day. Every day, thousands of them are speaking to you. If you're not pursuing discernment, eventually you will give way to their, to their call. Because discernment guards you from these ungodly voices. Discernment guards, guards you. It watches over you. It guards you, verse 11, delivering you from the evil way, from these paths of darkness. Not only are these men of perverted speech, not only are you protected from them, but you're also protected from the forbidden woman. Look at verses 16 through 19. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress, with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go her way, none who go to her come back. Nor do they regain the paths of life. This forbidden woman, this adulteress, becomes a major character in the book of Proverbs. First time that we meet her is here in chapter 2. She stands here as another rival voice, as a competitor for the son's attention and affection. Whereas the men in verses 12 through 15 tempt the son to crooked ways, the woman tempts the son to her house. She's an adulteress, and her goal is to take advantage of the desires the son has. And so what does she do? She tempts him. How? By flattery. This is such a huge lesson in so many ways. This, this understanding of sexual sin is so tied to spiritual, our spiritual condition that we, we need to see. God inspired a whole book, Hosea, about spiritual adultery and how it's tied to real adultery. Real adultery takes place in stages, and, and it just doesn't happen out of nowhere. It begins when a man or woman isn't getting the attention he thinks or she thinks she needs at home, but someone else begins to flatter them and show them the attention they want. 
It leads down to that destructive path. Friends, while this is certainly a warning to us all about the destructive nature of sexual sin and adultery, it also speaks to us on a broader level as Christians. The world is very much like this forbidden woman, calling out to us to enjoy her instead of God. The point being here, friends, is that both of these competing voices tempt tempt their victims to certain destruction. The evil man draws his followers into the moral decay while the adulteress seduces her followers into her house only for them to find that it's too late to escape. Let these be sobering reminders to us all while we need godly discernment. Friends, listen, there is a battle for your soul. There's a battle for your soul. If you're oblivious to that, you're going to go down. And it happens every day. Countless numbers of people professing Jesus as their Savior, being led down roads of destruction. There's a battle for your soul. There are voices calling out for you to follow them. Who are you listening to? What voice are you heeding? What voice are you following? There's so many of them. And I'm sitting here today begging you that there's one voice and only one to hear and to follow. There is a battle for your soul and those who are not actively seeking godly wisdom and discernment. We're we're like oblivious civilians wandering around in a battle zone taking pictures, just waiting to be shot or taken captive. Don't be so foolish. So what must we do? I would go back to verses 1 through 4 where those ifs are. And don't make them ifs. Decide by God's grace to follow those, the counsel found there. Be aware of all the voices that bombard us every day and fight hard by the grace of God to listen to the only voice that matters, our Father who gives us true wisdom and discernment. And the result, verses 20 through 21 and 22. So you will walk the way in the way of the good and keep to the paths of righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. But, and this is a word for you if you decide that this sermon isn't for you, the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. Brothers and sisters, as we close today, let me just remind us all that the true source of our hope comes in the embodiment of wisdom itself, and that is the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, get this, Jesus is the son that listened perfectly and obeyed perfectly to the instructions of his father, so that all of us, all of us who who forsaken that instruction turned our back against it so that for those who would seek him in faith and trust in him would not perish 
but have everlasting life. You see, Jesus willingly gave himself to take the penalty for those who have fallen to the way of folly, those who have broken covenant with God so that we might be redeemed. Friend, if you're here today realizing that you've fallen for the deception and seduction of another voice, then let this be the means of God's grace to call you to listen, to have discernment, and to follow the one that speaks the truth. Listen to him. Listen to him. And he, we're told, he will watch over you and guard you and lead you to the land that he has promised. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this reminder today. We thank you for instructing us in what is true. Father, it's my prayer today that as we hear this, this word, that, that, you would, that you would call us all to seek your wisdom and your discernment. Father, that the pursuit, the desire of, the, 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 the longing for, true wisdom and true discernment, to have understanding minds, Lord, would be just part of our, our daily pursuits, part of our daily prayers, part of our daily desires, Lord, that you would make us a discerning people and a people who long to know what is good from what is evil, what is true from what is wrong. Father, it may be that we have, maybe even this week, Maybe even today, we've already listened to other voices and given way to them. Whether it was the men of perverse speech or the forbidden woman, Lord, maybe we've already listened and gone their way. Father, would you snatch us from their hand? Would you bring us back to you, our faithful Father? who loves his children enough to give us sure footing and clear direction. Father, we need that. Lord, it may be that there's someone here today that, that lack all of this because they lack a Savior. They realize today before you that, they, that, that they're lost. God, would you help them to find their way home? by opening their eyes to the truth of who Jesus is, that he is a wonderful, glorious Savior of sinners. That he gave himself as the perfect son to die in our place so that those who would look to him and trust in him could be saved, could be forgiven, could have hope, could be given wisdom. God, would you move in their hearts today? and bring them home. Father, thank you for all that you do in our lives and thank you for the clarity that you give. Help us to seek it out and to follow you all our days. Thank you for being faithful. We love you and we praise you. In Christ's name we pray.